Mr. Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. This is another episode in my Teaching From Home podcast series, a series of episodes dedicated to supporting teachers who are working from home amidst the COVID-19 outbreak of 2020. This Teaching From Home podcast series is kindly sponsored by Tez Resources. Tez Resources have created a home learning collection full of hand-picked free resources for teachers to use with children who are learning at home or to share with parents. Please search online for Tez Home Learning to find the collection and see how Tez can help you. You can also find this collection through the Tez Coronavirus Support Hub at tez.com forward slash coronavirus and there'll be a link to that page in the show notes. My aim during this Teaching From Home podcast series is that you will hear from a wide variety of teachers sharing a wide variety of experiences. There'll be technology-focused episodes. We've we've already heard two of those with Ben Rooney and Michael Pershing, looking at just how remote teaching works. But, as we'll hear today, there are also episodes focused on the practicalities of coping with setting students' appropriate work whilst also having to look after your own children at home. There are issues of safeguarding, differentiation and mindset that I hope will come up as this series progresses. We'll hear from maths teachers, teachers of other subjects and primary school teachers. There'll be teachers from the UK and overseas. Hopefully, there'll be something for everyone. I've no idea how long this series will go on for, but so long as people keep listening and hopefully finding it useful, I shall continue. So, this time around, I spoke to UK maths teacher, queen of blogging, my favourite podcast co-host and best-selling author, Jo Morgan. Now, Jo finds herself in a situation that will be common to many listeners, in that she has to set her students' work whilst also looking after uh, her own two young children that are at home. On top of that, Jo also has senior leadership responsibilities, overseeing the well-being of all students in her school. So, how on earth does Jo cope, and why does she not believe that live teaching is the answer? There's only one way to find out. I really hope you enjoy this episode and find it useful, and as ever, please stay safe. Okay, so we welcome today a regular on the podcast, my regular co-host for many of the conference takeaways and also our Topics in Depth series that we do for Tez. It's Joe Morgan. So first off, welcome, Joe. And for listeners who aren't aware of you, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hi, Craig. I am a maths teacher in a um, brand new comprehensive school, just teaching year seven and eight this year. Um, I'm also assistant head there. Um, which means that I have um, I have all sorts of responsibilities which have sort of changed in the last few weeks. Um, and I'm a mum, so I have two children. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, and then um, and I write a blog. I write a blog called resourceholic.com um, where I share lots of maths teaching ideas um, for uh, secondary teachers. Fantastic. And just, um, I mean, there's many reasons I wanted to get you on the show, Joe. It's, it's always fascinating, but also... Um, as you say, you've got these responsibilities flying around where you've got the teaching, you've got the SLT, you've got the mum and um, just chuck into the mix as well. Your husband's a key worker. Is that right? So he's, he's out of the house during this time. He is. Yeah, he's in fact, I live in a bit of a strange household because um, 
people laugh at me for this, but I live in the same house as my in-laws. Bloody um, hell. Anyone that, anyone that lives in uh, London will know that a teacher and someone on a nursing salary can't afford to buy a house. And so the only way I can afford to live in anything but a flat is um, that we basically live um, live in a house that used to belong to my in-laws and they now live in the annex. So there's uh, in my house, I have um, two grandparents, two young children and two key workers. And in fact, in fact, my mother-in-law um, works in the hospital as well. So we're all in and out all the time. So I'm in school one day a week at the moment. My husband's at work. Um, he works at a cancer hospital where he's an ODP. That means he um, helps out with surgery. So he does that. He's there every day. My mother-in-law's at a local hospital every day. She does admin there. Um, so we, um, f compared to other houses who are staying in all the time, we are very much not staying in. We are all very busy um, going to our jobs and hopefully not bringing this virus back into my children. Flipping heck, jeez. Well, we're going to dive into what you're actually doing when you're at home. But first, just tell us about this one day a week that you're in school, Joe. What, what What's that like? <laughs> Well, is it what, what we've put? We've put all staff on a rotor. We, we don't have many key worker kids coming in. We we have about we're meant to have about seven a day. Um, and the thing is, it sounds like that's very similar to a lot of secondaries. And actually, we have we're a very small secondary because we only have 450 students because we've only got two year groups. Um, but we still have around the same amount of other secondaries. So our our seven key workers, uh, key worker kids, um, come in in the morning and they. Um, they sit in our library and they do the, the work that everyone else is doing at home. And then after lunch, we give them activities to do. Um, and basically we need um, it's amazing how many staff you need for such a small number of kids, because um, when I was in on last Friday, I have to go in every Friday and basically I'm in charge on Fridays. Um, and we had um, I had three kids come in because a lot of their parents do shifts and they just don't need to come in every day. So I only had three kids in. We basically had 12 adults for three kids. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's because we have the caterers. So we have two catering staff and they're just making break and lunch. Um, we have the cleaners. They're cleaning every day to sort of keep things sterile as much as possible. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they're quite old, our cleaners. It really worries me that they're still having to come in. Um, we have a um, the site staff, the caretaker who opens the building for us. Um, we've got an admin person and we have a member of leadership and we have a teacher. And it just, you know, with all it, it seems like it's a, it's a lot for three kids. And really, we should be combining with other local schools. The problem is our numbers are changing all the time. So, for example, we had some kids who have just told us this week or some parents told us this week that they're going to start sending their kids um, because, you know, parents jobs are changing and stuff like that so it's actually it's it's all changing all the time which makes it very hard to then sort of combine with other schools and things like that um but i mean it was i was terrified because last friday was my first day and i thought oh my god i'm in charge of the whole school for a day <laughs> and i've never done that before but you know it's, it's such a small operation and um everyone was doing everyone's so wonderful at school that really it was um it was actually quite nice being there because the um the kids were lovely and it was just nice to to sort of get out of the house so even though I was nervous about going in, I, I ended up being sort of the highlight of my week, really, was just going in and kind of looking after these lovely kids. And we did some games in the afternoon and I really had fun. So, yeah, I, I can't complain about the fact I have to do that. It's, it's quite a nice thing at the moment. And how does it work with the kind of two metres standing apart and all that kind of stuff in school? Is everybody sticking to that, both staff and kids? Yeah, as much. I mean, it's, it's a bit weird because we as they come in, we literally march them to the toilets and get them to wash their hands and then, 
um, before and after they eat, they are washing their hands. We're, it's weird the way we're kind of being quite militant about it. We make them sit separately, even at lunch. We all sit on separate tables to eat our lunch and kind of talk across the, across the dining hall to each other. Um, it is it is a bit odd. And actually, last when I was in on Friday and we had two girls and a boy, and, and the girls, you know, they're naturally teenage girls kind of naturally hang off each other a bit and they're, they they kind of they kept going really close to each other um and I have to kept, kept saying to them to step apart and it's it seems it seems like a really weird thing to have to say to, to young children it's like you know um as they left the school I think one of them put her arm around the other and I sort of shouted after her step away <laughs> um yeah it seems really odd but we are we're doing our very best with it the thing is like me they have they go home to households where someone comes in from a hospital who and and it's just it, it seems a bit crazy to say we're going to try and, and and keep apart from each other when we know that you know every night my husband comes home and I think well he's probably just bought it in the house with him yes so and, and they live in similar households so it all feels a bit weird um I guess the point is that we don't want them catching it from their families and then giving it to other people so yes. yeah but it's um I think yeah for, for me I've, I've kind of given up on the idea of, of me not catching it just because I know that I get I'm, my household is the way it is but I guess it's just a case of me not making anyone else sick and certainly our caretaker at work the poor guy he's in every single day um because the other we've got two members of site staff and one of them's unwell so this guy's in every day and he's quite frantic about it like he really really doesn't think we should still have the school open and I really feel for him because we're making him come in every day he he got annoyed with us last week the leadership team because we had a meeting in school and even though we sat separately we were all in one room together and he he was quite cross with us he said you know we need to we need to not be doing anything to to put to put ourselves at risk, um, and I think he's he's really um, he really thinks we need to shut down our school and combine with another school. Um, and in fact, he, his wife works at a local school, and they've done that now. So I think quite a few of our local schools have now started to close and combine with other schools. Jeez, well, fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating perspective, and you're the first person on this series I've spoke to who's who's regularly going into school, and and as you say, it's it's those other members of staff that often get f- forgotten in in this in this whole discussion. Um, yeah, that f- fascinating, Joe. Um, well, well, talk me through now your your four days a week at home. Um, what's the structure of your day look like, Joe? When do you start? When do you end? When do you do your prep? And and how does it all fit in with your responsibilities as as a mum? Um. Well, it's the thing is that in terms of workload, I mean, I'm very lucky um, and I'll talk about this later, but I'm not expected to do any of this live teaching or sort of planning my own material. You know, I'm using Hegarty Maths. Um, And what that means is that my from a maths perspective, I reckon I'm spending no more than half an hour a day on setting lessons and responding to students Um, and that means that most of the things I'm doing at home are sort of more SLT related stuff so for example I do the I'm doing a weekly newsletter um, which is full of pictures of um, students at home doing wonderful things and it's actually it's just delightful it's really nice I basically put um, I run the social media for the school so I run the Twitter and the Facebook and I put a notice out saying, could parents just send in pictures of their kids working or pictures of their kids' wonderful work they've produced or anything else that we think will lift spirits? And I've been inundated with wonderful pictures. Some, uh, I had one parent sent me a picture of their um, their kitten to put in the newsletter. <laughs> so all sorts of crazy things. Um, and that's quite a big job for me because we're doing I'm doing that every week. And I also do a lot of responding to parents on social media. Um, and then I'm... 
I've got all these other bits and pieces. Like I'm, I'm meant to be in charge of um, I, making sure that students can log into things. That's not a huge amount of time, to be honest. Basically, I think that my normal school day would be 10 to 12 hours work. And I'm now down to probably about four hours work a day. So I certainly think it's manageable. Um, and the way that I'm doing that is I'm doing uh, checking my emails before my kids start at nine. So at nine o'clock, I start my kids on their day school, um, doing all my emails then. And then while they're doing their day school stuff, I'm sitting with them and I'm helping them. But I'm on my phone the whole time for emails. Um, and so I'm sort of multitasking there. And then at lunch, I send my kids off for an hour and they, they play the Xbox or they watch a film and then I get a bit more work done. And then um, do a bit more day school until three o'clock. And then basically my main sort of work part of the day starts at three. So I basically I'm working, say, from three till seven or three till six um, on all my school stuff that I need to get done. Um, and that seems to be working fine for me. My husband gets in from work about half six. And by then I've done a good sort of three, four hours stretch of work. So that's working pretty well. And what is the work, Joe? when you're responding to emails? Who are they coming from? Is it parents? Is it kids? Um, no, so the thing is, because we we had we had such good systems in place for kids. They they you know, they were already using show my homework. They were already using Hegarty Maths. Um, so from a from a sort of from the perspective of my own students that I teach, I teach three classes and um, I barely get anything from them. So I've had one message on show my homework today from one of them. Last Monday, I was inundated because Hegarty Maths was down and I was having, I had maybe 20 show my homework messages from students where they were saying, miss, I can't do my maths, what should I do? So that was difficult. But since then, I get one or two messages from students a day. I get messages from staff saying things like, oh, um, there's a member of my tutor group whose laptop has broken. Can we do anything about that? Now I'm in charge of that. I have a stock of laptops and I have to figure out how to get it to them. Um, I get yeah, I get a fair amount of emails about stuff they want me to put on the school website. So, for example, if someone finds a good link about how to look after a kid's well-being at this time, then they ask me to put it on the website and I do things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a range of stuff. I got a leadership meeting this afternoon, which will be a virtual one for a couple of hours. Um, and the main thing we're discussing in that meeting is what we're going to do over what would have been Easter holidays, changing the work we're setting, what we're going to do after the Easter holidays. And then for me, the big thing is I'm going to start doing the school timetable for next year. Oh, so that hell. that's a massive bit of work. And I started that um, yesterday. I, start, I did it. I did. I spent about three hours thinking about that yesterday. And it's massively complicated because I would have had to do it anyway at this time of year. But obviously recruitment is a big mess now. So I have to try and do a timetable for staff we haven't recruited. And I don't know if we can recruit them because obviously we're a growing school. So we have to have this big intake of staff every September. And we weren't finished our recruitment. And now that that is my massive stress at the moment. Jeez, flipping heck. Well, um, I can't help you with that in, in the slightest joke, <laughs> um, I'm afraid. But what I can help you with is, is asking you a few more questions uh, about, about your day and, and how this is all fitting together. Um, I want to talk about two things. I want to separate the kind of maths teaching side of things but also i'm interested in digging into this your role of slt in terms of well-being and, and checking that kids are all right and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. so let, let's start with the math side of things first and um, in terms of the content you're covering um, have you adapted the scheme of work in any way or are you just um, going through the order that that was prescribed well we only have two year groups which makes things easier and for year eight the two weeks before easter was meant to be pythagoras and when we first got this sort of sense of, you know, weeks and weeks ago, when we first got this idea of something might be coming, we might have to close the school. We decided as a maths department that we, we were upset that we wouldn't get to teach Pythagoras. 
we assumed we would all come back after Easter and we would teach it then. So we decided to move Pythagoras um, to after Easter and we decided to put a topic for learning at home that had um, that we thought was a bit more manageable. So we bought something forward from the summer term and it was um, area and volume because we did area before Christmas. So this was a bit of a recap. And then the topic, the sort of new part of the topic was a volume of cylinders and stuff like that. And we did circles recently. So actually, we thought basically this topic brings together a whole load of stuff we've already done this year. So there's going to be all sorts of retrieval happening. Um, and it's something that we think they can pretty easily teach themselves from Hegarty Mass videos. So that's what they're all doing at the moment. So all of my year eights are currently doing uh, volume. And actually, it's not been for my bottom set. It's been a real struggle because I set them some recap lessons on area. And bear in mind, when we did it before Christmas, I did basically rectangles and triangles, and they, they found that fairly challenging. Um, and I needed them to do parallelograms and trapeziums. So then I've set them um, the Hegarty stuff on parallelograms and trapeziums. And they, you know, I've got a girl in my bottom set messaging me saying that she's just getting zero percent and she's mm. just feeling really disheartened. Now, obviously, the Hegarty videos are wonderful, but they're they're not kind of um, aimed at certain types of students. They're not differentiated. So that means that. You know, I would have gone through if I did trapeziums with my bottom set, I would have gone through it so slowly <laughs> and yes. I would have um, I would have supported them so much with scaffolded materials. Um, and so that's that's then been really hard for her. So I messaged her back and I said that this, you know, do what you can on that. But we're now going to move on to volumes of cuboids. And I set them the very first activity, which was literally counting cubes. And I said, you know, this is something that you can definitely access. And then but basically that's sort of cheered her up a bit because it's gone to something that's a bit easier for her. And uh, But I know that what's coming next for her is volumes of cylinders. And that's going to be really tough. So I think I'm finding, you know, even though I think we chose a good topic, I think for my bottom set, there is no good topic for them to do without me. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just going to have to do what they can. Um, however, for my other class, my top set, I think they're doing absolutely fine with the stuff I've set them. Um, for um, year seven, they happen to also they happen to just be coming up to area. So we set them area as well. And I think that's perfect for them because they did a lot of it in primary school. So, you know, it seems like a good topic to set them. You know, it's just, what I, I, it stresses me out about the, the what's coming up next, though, mm. um, because, you know, originally we thought, right, this was two weeks and we'll we'll just set this this one top, this one big sort of chunk of work to do at home. And now I'm looking ahead to year eight scheme of work for next term. And there's like there's constructions on there. There's oh, no way geez, they're doing that at home. No. <laughs> um, there's, we're going to have to get into do Pythagoras at home, I guess, um, which is upsetting. I love teaching Pythagoras. Um, and then we've got other things like similarity and congruence, which are really new things. Yes. And uh, this idea of, you know, anything that kind of links closely to stuff they've done at primary school, like year seven, they're going to be doing angles. And I kind of feel like as much as I was looking forward to teaching angles, I think it's familiar enough to them that they can teach them themselves through Hegarty. But anything that's totally new, I'm so uncomfortable giving it to them online. But, you know, none of us know what's going to happen, you know, with these year groups when they get to year 11. Um, none of us know what's going to happen with their exams because, you know, everyone's thinking uh, the, the big worry at the moment is year 11. And then I can imagine if you teach year 10, it must be hugely stressful. But I'm thinking, let's say my current year eights, if I say, well, I'm not going to teach them, get them to do Pythagoras from home, or maybe I do set it at home and maybe half of them do it. Um, I'm obviously going to have to teach it again next year. And what I can't get my head around at the moment is how we cope in, in the long term. So over the next few years with the fact that we're going to be six months behind or, you know, three or four months behind. And I just can't see how that's going to play out. 
And that's no. the thing that's really stressing me out. I don't get, it's almost like we need them to remove a couple of big topics from GCSE or something because the whole, every, every cohort for the next four years is going to have lost this sort of big chunk of learning. Like, you know, my year nines won't be able to do trigonometry until I've done Pythagoras. Like everything, I think we're just such a unique subject, aren't we? And that everything follows on. So yeah. and, nothing. And, and of course, the other tricky thing is everybody's missing different bits as well, right? Because yes. we're not yeah, right, following yeah. the same so, scheme. Yeah. It's... So there's no, yeah, there's no bit that we can just cut out. Um, you know, if you think about something like uh, history or, well, probably English and probably most subjects, you could say, how does this affect year sevens and year eights when they get to GCSE? Well, probably not at all. If you think about something like a year seven who maybe lost whatever they were meant to do in history this year. So they were meant to do, I don't know, the Industrial Revolution. I've got no idea. But say they're meant to do something in history this year. And then they don't do it this year because the schools are closed. Then they will still do whatever GCSE topics come up in year 10 and 11. And it will make no difference that they didn't do whatever they were going to do this year. And you could say maybe English, like my lot are doing um, Macbeth in English at the moment. And and if they don't do Macbeth, it doesn't make a huge difference. I mean, yeah, they won't have studied as much Shakespeare as maybe they would needed to. But as in, they'll start totally new content for their GCSE. So I think in other subjects, the fact that this doesn't affect year sevens, eights and nines as much as it does in maths, where every single thing follows on and you can't just take a whole load of content out and not teach it. Like we will have to teach it and we're going to be so tight for time. And I, I, that's what that I just can't get my head around what we can do about that. You know, we're already teaching GCSE up until, you know, most schools are finishing Easter of year 11. It's not like we've got loads of time spare anymore. And then all of a sudden we're going to have a load of other other content we need to fit in because we missed this big chunk. And I just I think that I was talking to my colleagues about it at school and they were saying one of the things they've asked my directors of learning, which are basically my head, the head of maths. One of the things she's been asked to do is to write the schemes of work for next year. But I just don't see how we can possibly do no. that because I don't unless we I just think it's a massive thing to get our heads around. What can the scheme of work next year possibly look like? Are we just going to go back to where we should have been now and teach all that again? And then they're going to be always going to be months behind. And then at the end of year 11, we just won't have finished. I mean, is, if that's what we're going to have to do, I, I just think that the other members of the leadership team in my school who are asking um departments to do this I, I don't know if they really get that this is a problem unique to maths where everything we do is a prerequisite like the whole lot follows on well let me get i'm going to go a bit controversial here joe um yeah what is is it true that we necessarily have to kind of assume that that kids are going to fall behind in this way um is it not possible so let's take constructions that you mentioned before or let's take um uh, area of a trapezium with with your lower uh, lower achieving students yeah and um, can you what's the argument against doing or attempting to do live teaching so what's the argument against you sitting behind a screen doing a live lesson using either microsoft teams or zoom or google classroom or all these tools that are out there and trying to to recreate as close as possible that experience of doing it in the classroom well, Craig, I think there are numerous problems. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> um, I am, I am, I am very strongly opposed to live teaching for numerous reasons. But I mean, for one thing, you're not going to unless you teach at some top private school or something where every single child is sitting at home with their devices and they're on. And I don't know that this is not going to work in a normal comprehensive. Um, for a start, you're you're not going to get engagement of every single student. So that means that when you come back in September, you'd have caught some of them who might have done, been involved in that live teaching, but you won't have caught all of them um, from the point of view of the fact that 
they don't have necessarily the devices, the Wi-Fi. Um, they might not have the kind of household where they can get that space to sit and do. You know, these these kids live in small flats with families of of four or five, and they might have um, they might have a phone. I mean, I know the argument is they've all got a phone. Um, yeah, they might have a phone. They don't necessarily need a laptop. But can they get a quiet space to do a live lesson at a specific time? Um, I think that's um, that's something that works maybe in some settings. But I don't think many comprehensive schools can really say um, that they can get every single student in their class online at a specific time. Um, I think there are safeguarding issues. Um, my daughter did a live guitar lesson last week and I set it all up and I was like, this is fine. I, I love this idea. I paid for the guitar lesson. She can keep having them. And then as soon as it started, I was massively uncomfortable. Like the fact that my daughter was sitting in a room with a man in his house looking through the computer at her. And I know he's DBS checked and I know it should all be safe. But suddenly I thought there's something really wrong about this, like this whole idea of um, the things, the, the sort of fact that we are not trained and we are not I haven't known if we're even legally covered to do this stuff. Um, some people are saying that on things like Zoom, people are kind of hacking the chats and coming in with inappropriate stuff. There's all sorts of worries about safeguarding. Um, so there's so my two big issues are one, safeguarding, and two, um, the students not being able to access things at certain times. Um, and so basically a lot of students missing out because they weren't at home at 11 o'clock, or they were, sorry, they were at home, but they weren't able to get online at that particular lesson time. Yeah, um, also gone. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, also I think there's a lot, a lot of it's unnecessary when materials, good quality materials already exist. You know, I can't teach a lesson any better than Colin Hegarty. The, the main difference is the interaction. I get that. When Colin Hegarty teaches my lesson for me, he's not speaking directly to my students. So I get the advantage of the live teaching, having the interaction. But I think that if someone was telling me right now I had to do daily lessons at certain times for different classes. So I basically for all classes I teach, I'd have to do a certain time lesson. I think I would be absolutely stressed beyond belief right now. Like that is that would be an awful thing for someone to ask me to do. Um, for a start, I think my Wi-Fi isn't isn't reliable enough. Um, so that means I'd be messing the students around. I think that the um, the the fact I've got kids at home means it would be impossible for me to do. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think that it's just I just don't think it's necessary. I think we've got things that work just as well. So, yes, I'm really against the idea. And it's actually upsetting me seeing so many people sort of talking about this idea of live teaching like it's something we should be doing, because I think it's it's got it's got so many, so many problems. Um, and I can see I think the, the, the students seeing a familiar face and being and, and the teacher being able to respond to questions are the small advantages. But I think um, there are many, many disadvantages of this. So I am not going near that with a barge pole. And luckily, my um, leadership team totally agree. And I was quite surprised by that. Actually, we're talking about they're talking about how to make the lessons more interactive. We're, we're throwing around ideas for that. Um, and then when I said to them, when you say interactive, you don't mean live teaching, do you? And they've all said to me, absolutely not. We are not going down the live teaching route in my school. That's fascinating. And again, I suspected that was the case just having um, seen your tweets over the last week or so. And that, that's what, one of the main reasons I wanted you to, to come on the show is to give this an alternate perspective. And um, before we just move on to specifically what you are doing in terms of setting work, um, do you think just for you personally, Joe, that this will change? So let, let's imagine that this goes on 
you know, it's my instinct now is I'd be very surprised if schools are back this academic year. But again, that 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 could be wrong. But let's imagine this goes on for two months, three months. Do you think you'll have that itch to do a bit of a bit of live teaching once the kind of technology um, sorts itself out and the guidelines about safeguarding are in place? Um, I don't think no, I don't think live. But I do. I mean, I mean, obviously, my main problem is I'm at home with my kids all day. Mm. So um, I I, mean, I live next door to my mother-in-law. So when I do my leadership meeting this afternoon for two hours, she's going to watch the kids. So that means I could have her do that all the time while I do all my live lessons. But I just think it's it adds such a level of stress to my life and to the kids' life to have to be online at a certain time. However, I can imagine that there will come a point where I might make a few videos of, um, of me talking to the kids. I mean, we're, we're doing virtual assemblies at my school, um, and I will probably make a couple of assemblies. So I'm not against the idea of kind of videoing myself doing stuff, but certainly not well, I, 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 no point where am I, am I going to expect children to be online at a, a, mm. a certain time? That's the bit that really worries me, that idea of having uh, the stress of them having to keep to a timetable and, and me. I mean, actually, I mean, my kids, my my kids school have, you know, they're, they're overwhelming me with the amount of stuff they're sending. You know, they keep sending me lists saying, oh, your children might like to do these things. And they send me like 20 websites and it's overwhelming. Um and the things the things that I'm liking that my kids school are doing is like they're setting, I say, a my maths task. Now, I like that because it's specific and it's and I know exactly what I need to do and I can do it at any time with my daughter. But if they said, oh, suddenly we're going to start making your daughter go online at certain times. Well, I've got two children and it's just it's just not going to work. So if my daughter's school did it, I just I'd, I'd, be, I'd be really upset. So, yeah, there's no way I'm going to start doing anything live. Yes, yeah, so not to not to say I won't. I don't. I'm not going to start recording videos of me. And like I say, I'm going to do a, a virtual assembly um, because I get that they want that familiarity. They want to see their teacher's face and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, not, not definitely. I'm 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 going to say I'm 99.9% sure I will be doing no live teaching. Got it. <laughs> well, to talk us through this setting of work then, Joe. So it's again, because it's it's easy to say you're just setting things on Hegarty, but I'm interested in, in the kind of practicalities uh, about this. Um, what are you setting? How are you assessing and feedback? Uh, how are you doing assessment and, and feedback and and how are the kids finding essentially doing work independently, for want of a better phrase? Well, we're very lucky that our kids um, have been using Hegarty since September and are all very well versed in doing so. And I was actually quite surprised to see that some schools don't have any system for homework um, because I've always, you know, I've worked in schools with my maths and with MathsWatch and with Hegarty. So this is something um, I think I'm just I'm just used to being able to set work online. Um, and yeah, I was quite surprised to see some people on Twitter say that their school has no system at all. Because I guess that means that teachers have to set written homeworks, which mm. must be quite a workload issue for them. Um, so, yeah, so we our students already um, were very good at using Show My Homework, um, which means so Show My Homework. Basically, I have to go on there and I've been doing this for homeworks all year and this is no different. Um, we go on there and we put the task on there and we can put a little message so I can go on to show my homework and say, um, oh, I, I've been monitoring that you've all been doing your work and really well done for those of you who've been completing it. And um, we're in the middle of our module on volume. So today's lesson is on um, volume of a, of a prism. Um, do message me if you need help. So it's a sort of kind of personal message that I'm putting onto each of my classes. 
Um, and then some instructions. And the instructions are watch the Hegarty video, make notes, write down the examples and then do the task. And actually, to be honest, that's slightly different to what we normally do, because our normal instructions for homeworks are just do the task. And I know mm. that's not how Colin Hegarty wants us to use his um, system. But normally when we set homeworks, we say do the task and use the video if you get stuck because we're setting tasks on things we've taught. Yes. But now we're saying you have to watch the video. And the other thing about that is by saying you have to watch the video, we're now making that fill a bigger amount of time because my school is saying that we have to set one hour tasks. Um, I am really not keen on setting more than one. I don't want to overwhelm anyone. So we're sticking to one task a day, but we're making that fill the hour by saying that they're meant to watch the video and take the notes. Now, it might be that some of my students are spending 20 minutes doing the task and that's it. Um, and I kind of I'm, I'm kind of OK with that if that's if, they, if they're getting, you know, if they're getting what we, an amber or a green, which means that they're getting most of it right. Um, we're doing four a week because that's our school timetable. We're told the days that we're allowed to set maths. Um, and I had a look this morning. I'm, I've not been great at checking, to be honest, because we've got something coming up for monitoring. But I had a look this morning and basically everyone's doing it apart from the students who don't normally do their homework. So, you know, it's the exact same students who um, don't normally engage with these things that that aren't completing their, their sort of four Hegarty tasks a week. Um, everyone who is a sort of hardworking, conscientious student who does their classwork and their homework well, they're all doing it and they're all doing well. So, you know, it seems to be working. And now my next job is just to figure out how I deal with those who haven't been doing it who I haven't been able to get to do their homework all year. You know, same same students, same but, but, I mean, same students, but different situation, right? It's, it's got to be, it's got to yeah, be harder but, when you're not seeing them face to face. Yeah, so I, it's, in, in terms of, you know, I can't, so there's, so there's one or two students who normally do their classwork who haven't been doing it. So with them, I can assume either they're not well or they have some sort of tech issues and I'm loathe to chase them. At the moment, I'm leaving them alone. I'm just, you know, I, I think that's really, if it, it's a hardworking student who's not doing they're Hegarty every day at the moment then I don't feel comfortable hassling them right now however the ones who don't normally do their work and are still not doing their work I haven't figured out what to do about them because yeah like you say it's a different situation normally they're coming into school on a Monday and I'm saying you didn't do your Hegarty last week you had a whole week to do your homework you haven't done it um detention you know <laughs> and, and it still doesn't work they still don't do it the next week and these are kids who I've had on homework report and they still don't do it and they just don't care they just get in their detentions um and yeah now I'm looking at them not doing it at home and they're the kids that are going to fall behind um and they're the kids who'll come back in September having done no math for six months um and I don't know what to do about that um, we are discussing it in our leadership meeting today because it's the same kids who aren't doing their English and all that sort of thing. I mean, we're quite lucky. Maths is one of the ways we can monitor. So if you think about from a school perspective, all work is set on show my homework. So the kids log on every day and they have five subjects set for them and they work their way through those five tasks. And for some subjects, that is a PDF PowerPoint attached um, and then say a worksheet to do in, a, in an exercise book. And so this, the, the um, teachers don't really can't really monitor whether that's being done unless they ask every student to submit their work. And so that means, you know, a teacher checking hundreds of bits of work, which is a bit overwhelming. Um, so they don't really know. They can we can see if they've logged in to show my homework but we can't see whether they've actually done the work. Mm. But for maths and English, which is also an online system, we can actually then see if they've done the work. So that's our, our school's main way of, of sort of figuring out who kind of needs some kind of um, nudge to do the work. The thing is, nudge is ridiculous because, you know, I don't want to hassle anyone. 
and if there's a if there's a good if they need support like they need a laptop we can do that but you know like I say these are kids who don't do their work in term time and I don't I don't know I don't know what we can do about it really yeah and it's upsetting isn't it because this is where the gaps in society I mean the whole point is that Someone was saying, I read something on Twitter, some ridiculous person saying how oh, this, this will show that schools aren't necessary in society because everyone can just work. I mean, there's a there's an Isaac Asimov book, which is amazing. And it's set in, it's it was set in the future when Asimov wrote it in the 50s. And it's about how school is now all at home and online. And, and the kids like don't have any social interaction. And the thing is that we don't I think with this whole thing that's going on, we realise how important schools are from a social interaction point of view. Um, but we also realise that, yes, uh, kids from nice, uh, well-off families with lots of equipment and sort of a nice big house with lots of separate rooms they can work in. Yeah, they can do a lot of schoolwork at home and, and maybe they don't need teachers as much as the, the more deprived kids in society who need us so much because they, you know, they need that school building to get up and come to in order to learn and to, and to, to basically to narrow that gap in society. You know, these are the ones that are affected the most. And it's um, it's quite upsetting to think about. Um, it makes you really makes you realise how important school buildings are, you know, as in the, the sort of actual school, not the sort of virtual school to these poorer kids in society. You know, they need to be in every day and to have that contact with us in order to not fall behind. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Joe. Absolutely right. Um, and, and that brings us on to the other thing I just wanted to touch upon, your other role in terms of, of well-being and, and checking that these kids um, are, are OK. Um, yeah. how's, how's that working? Um, in, so I'm not a form tutor, um, but form tutors in my school have to call. They call each child once a week. So each child in their form, which means our form tutors are making five or six calls a day. Um and we've got them doing that from their own phones and they have to block the number before they call. And the problem is it means the parents aren't answering because yes. the parents just see a call from a blocked number. So that's causing us all sorts of problems. And basically, if a tutor can't get through, we keep putting note like in my newsletter and on social media, I keep putting notices out to parents saying, please don't block our calls. We're going to call you one day a week. And if we tell them what day that is, we just need to say, you know, please answer the phone to a block call that day. Um what if we can't get through to them, then eventually we get someone to call from from the school, given there's people in school every day running the day school. So that means that we we can, you know, these, these parents do answer when it's the school that calls. Um, now, when these tutors call for most kids, they're just sort of saying, is everything all right? Can you get onto the systems? Is there, you know, is there anything that you need me to help you with? And mostly the kids are just saying, yeah, absolutely fine. They're having a bit of a chat with their form tutor and that's it. Um, and then obviously um, the, the biggest issues that are coming up are one, um, uh, problems with IT. And then the other issues that come up are there are some safeguarding things. You know, there are some things where we've got, um, par- you know, vulnerable kids that we worry about. And we worry about sort of the actions of their parents at the time. You know, we worry about the fact that maybe a kid has been sent off to stay with their grandparents or something like that, and we're saying they should be at home, and mm-hmm. and we haven't got access, we haven't got a number for the grandparents' house, and that sort of thing. So yeah, we have we have safeguarding issues, and we have IT access. But you know, that's really it's interesting because I wouldn't like it if my kids' school were phoning me at the moment. I I don't think they need to phone me. I kind of want them to leave me alone, and they're already sending me emails regularly with tons and tons of websites that I need to look at, um, and I think it's all a bit overwhelming. So from the point of view as a, of a parent. I kind of don't want those calls from the school. You know, I don't think it's a good use of their time. I don't feel like they need to call me. There's nothing for them to worry about here. 
um, but also from a kind of um, safeguarding point of view, I actually think it's quite a nice thing that my school's doing. And I know that these and I know that these kids actually are, are appreciating the course from their form tutors. So yeah, it's um, you know, and actually the form tutors, um, it is their main work they're doing. So they got you know, if you're a form tutor in my school, you're setting work for your own subject. But for most subjects, that's two days a week you have to do that. So it's not a huge amount. And then you're um, calling your tutees and that maybe takes about an hour a day. So that's the main thing we're asking them to do. And I know the form tutors are saying it's kind of the highlight of their day, really, just getting to have a chat to these kids. That's fascinating. And yeah, that's been a recurring theme throughout this this mini series that we're doing, whether it's using technology um, or whether it's using just just phones um, just that daily interaction being so important, both for the teachers and, and the students. That That's fascinating, that joke. Um, so just to bring everything together and again, feel free to make these as, as short answers as you like or, or expand. Um, just a few general thoughts is what's working well about this situation, Joe, if, if anything? Um, well, I think I think Hegarty Maths is absolutely brilliant and, and I couldn't ask for anything more. I think it's um, the fact is because because there's lots and lots of systems where we could set work. But what what Hegarty does is he does the teaching as well. So, you know, that that to me makes it. And there are other systems like that. I mean, you know, Maths Watch and um, My Maths and things like that, where there's an actual lesson where, which teaches them the content followed by a task. It's, it's perfect for this situation. When Hegarty went down on Monday, um, last Monday, um, we were in a bit of a panic and we thought if Hegarty kind of doesn't cope with the situation, <laughs> our, our backup was Corbett Mass because he also has videos that explains things. And the only and we could, and it also and he's got textbook exercises so we could set that and we just wouldn't be able to monitor it. Um, but what's important to us is those videos or those very, you know, where Colin Hegarty explains things so well. Um, and, and I think that is uh, absolutely brilliant. So I think that would show my homework, our two systems that are well established that our kids are really familiar with and that and now now Colin has um, invested so much in his service in the last week and he's really it's I know it's working brilliantly now um, I think I'm incredibly um, lucky that I have access to such a good system. Fantastic and um, what's not working so well? Um, I'd say um, the thing about the, the thing about students who don't normally do their homework, not doing any work at home and, and the gaps widening that mm. that is not working. Like, I don't know how to deal with that, um, you know, and how to I don't know how much chasing I should be doing. I don't want to hassle families, particularly if anyone's unwell in that family. So I haven't quite figured that out. So I don't think that's working well in that. I just don't haven't worked out a solution. Um the, the sort of the long term view of what we're going to do with these these this sort of situation of this big gap widening and this kind of um, us not having got through the content by year 11. Um, it's too early to worry about that now, but that's stressing me out. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I, I wouldn't say it's not working well, but I can see how if I had younger children, um, it would be more difficult for me. So, you know, at three o'clock, my day school finishes with my daughters and my daughters are are really hardworking little girls like they they love schoolwork and so I'm really lucky now if my kids were reluctant to work um or if you know if they were badly behaved at home um or anything like that then it would be significantly more difficult for me to do this, the work I'm doing from home you know it literally gets to three o'clock and I say to my girls right school's up and they put their pens down they're all lovely like they, they pack up their little bag because they, they bring a little bag with a teddy into school every day um and off they go and they will then sit and watch a film or play a game together and they'll do that for what two three hours while I get my work done 
Um, and I'm really lucky that I'm in a situation where my kids are at an age uh, that they can do that and that they're the type of kids who will happily entertain each other and they're not massively demanding of my time. You know what, that's because I wrote a book last summer and I trained them in this. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they're very used to me sitting at the computer while they just entertain themselves. Um, but they, um, I'm very lucky with that situation. And I can just imagine that there are parents with younger children where this is, I'll say, if I was at home with a one-year-old and a four-year-old, then I, I don't know how I'd be able to do the work from home. You know, I can see that I could set my math tasks on showing my homework perhaps after they go to bed. Um, and I could I don't making the tutor calls would probably be quite challenging to find time to do that. Um, but, yeah, I think um, that must be a massive challenge for lots and lots of people. And I think I'm just um, I'm really lucky um, that I have, um, you know, there's pros and cons of me living next door to my in-laws. But, you know, I have help in the house and I have um, I have children that just kind of are very independent and very uh, conscientious. So I'm lucky. Um, but yes, I, I do feel for other people who, are, who have young kids at home. This is a very difficult situation for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know it's early days, Joe, but have you changed anything about what you're doing as, as the kind of first week and um, week and a half's done? Well, this, my school is planning to do something different in what would have been the Easter holidays. Um, we're going to set project work for two weeks. Basically, our thinking is we don't want to set... We don't want to give them work to do in these holidays. We want them to have a break. But at the same time, we know that lots of families will have, I mean, no one's going out. And yes. we think that these kids are going to be driving their parents crazy at home. And, and, the, and the parents might appreciate having some kind of optional work provided. So what we're going to do is over these holidays, we're setting, say, um, I think a set of 10 optional projects. And the kids can basically choose and they can say, I'm going to do three of these projects. And at the end, they can send it in to us via Show My Homework. And then we can do a big newsletter thing where we celebrate all the amazing work that was sent in. Um, now, that's going to be totally optional because we don't expect anyone to do anything in the Easter holidays. But I think parents will appreciate having something that they can keep their kids busy. Um, so that's coming up. Um, and then after Easter, we're going to carry on setting four mass tasks a week um, across the school. We're lo lowering the expectations. So we're going from one hour. So basically five hours a day because five subjects an hour a day we're going to reduce that to five subjects setting 40 minutes a day but mm. that won't change what we do in maths we'll still set one Hegarty task a day so that won't make a huge difference um so yeah so but apart from that there's nothing um the, the, the thing we need to get a handle on this week is basically collating all our information about who's not been doing their Hegarty tasks and then figuring out what we're gonna how if we are going to act on that and what we're going to do um, but, yeah, apart from that, I think we, you know, we my school did really well. We had our plans in place. Um, we knew exactly how we were going to handle school closure. And then when it and then it all went really smoothly. So, yeah, at the moment, I think, um, you know, we're 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 on this and we're, you know, I think I, I feel like we are in control. And it's and it's good. It's, well, we're not in control. Obviously, the whole world. <laughs> we are. We're doing I think we're doing the best we can possibly do. So I, I'm pretty pleased with how how things are going from my school's perspective. Fantastic. And um, do you get any sense about how your kids are finding this whole experience? Oh, they're, they're loving it. Yeah, it's great fun. <laughs> they're obviously, they're upset because we um, we're meant to be going to my my father-in-law um, inherited some money recently um, and decided to spend the whole lot on a trip to Disneyland Paris in May after wow. and obviously um we had a countdown going the kids were massively excited like it's we we've we've never left um we've never left the country so this was a massive deal for them wow. and and that now so they're upset about that being cancelled and various other things that you know us um 
things like you know I'm teach, learning to swim and all these things where it's like oh my god they're getting older now and they're not learning the things you know I was they were meant to be doing a bike riding course over Easter because I've got an eight-year-old who doesn't know how to ride a bike um and all these things like you know your, your kids are getting older and they're not learning the things they're meant to learn and it, that's quite stressful from a parenting perspective but from their perspective they're happy as anything they absolutely love this homeschool thing we we started with a timetable which was hilarious the day they announced schools were closing I wrote a timetable that was very detailed of what we're going to do every single half hour every day of the week. Um, and then we also had a motto and a logo for the school. So the kids came up, they call it Morgan Primary. Nice. Our, our, um, our logo is a mountain and our motto hilariously is never stop, like never, ever stop. So that is our school's logo. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm never allowed to stop. Um, and they, so the, and then we were all set to go. And then on the very first day of us following this timetable, um, I had like my phone was going bing, bing, bing with all these show my homework messages saying Hegarty was down. So basically the timetable went in the bin um, and we are now um, we're just um, I now just have a general checklist to make sure that with the girls every day I do some math, some English. You know, I've got various things on the check, some exercise, all that kind of thing. And that's much better. So that, you know, the, the timetable was a terrible idea. So now that's going really well. Um, and yeah, they're absolutely loving it because, you know, they're getting to spend time with me, which I don't normally get to spend time. You know, normally I'm, a, I'm always working. Um, we are going on a little walk around the block every day and they're liking that because we're looking for rainbows and windows and things like that. Wow. And um, they um, um, they don't they're not scared. They don't they don't get the risks involved, really. You know, they uh, they know there's we're watching news around every day. So they're very well aware of what's going on in the news. But they're not um, they're not kind of aware, aware that my husband's at risk. He's thinking he, he has volunteered for NHS Nightingale, which is the big hospital in London that's been set up in the Excel Centre. So if he gets that, he's going for six weeks and we won't see him for six weeks and he'll be Jeez. in a very scary place. But at the moment, his uh, matron, so the sort of the, the, his boss is saying no. He needs to stay where he is. And he's a bit upset about that because he really wants to be there kind of doing all he can. And he feels a bit he feels ridiculously. He feels helpless at the moment. But, you know, he's a he helps people with cancer. But yet he feels helpless. Yes. Um, so it's a really frustrating situation for him um, because he feels like he's not doing enough when he really, really is. Um, but, yeah, they don't they don't kind of they're they're sort of living in a bubble, I suppose. And that's a good thing. You know, they're perfectly happy um, They're emailing my older one is emailing a little girl from her class because they recently got their school email set up um their emails are ridiculous like they have no idea how to do it and um and then the younger one has little zoom messages with her um classmates so you know they the sort of not seeing their friends is not not a huge problem for them and also it's only been what a week and a bit so you know in in the summer holidays um you know they, they don't see their friends for six weeks and they're fine so it's you know they're absolutely fine Yes, so I'm uh, I'm I'm lucky that that my two are, are sort of coping very well, um, and obviously the big the big worry is what if what if some of us start getting sick, yes. um, but yeah, well, at the moment we're all we're all fit and well, and uh, and and they are happy girls, and in fact so they're they're loving it because I'm letting them watch, I'm letting them oh we got Disney Plus, so you know they're just watching <laughs> Disney all the time. It, the, the timing of that, I mean, to bring yeah, out I Disney know. Plus, like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from obviously time with your family and more time with your family is, is there anything you prefer about this situation than being in school joe and, and be as be as honest as you like um well you know like i said my workload is significantly down I, you know, i've gone from basically 10 to 12 hours of work a day 
to maybe four to six hours. And I, you know, I, to be honest, I, I was I was at peak stress before all this happened. Like mm. I was, I had um, parents even to organise, and I had um, data and reporting, and like all the the numerous responsibilities I have. Um, it's my first year as assistant head, and I I do find it really hard. Um, and so kind of, you know, suddenly most it shows, isn't it funny? It shows how so much of what we do is not that important because we yes. can just throw it in the bin. So basically, yeah, all of my it was the, my to do list, which was about four sides of A4. Um, basically, 95 percent of that is now just, oh, don't need to do that anymore. Um, and there's all sorts. Of, I mean, the stuff we have planned for year six transition. I mean, that's really upsetting that that can't happen now. So there's some things which are. We're actually, you know, the fact that we had all these wonderful plans and all these and we've been talking about what we're going to do next term for our year six is coming in. And all of that, that's quite upsetting that it's gone. But, you know, I'm not upset that I don't have to organise year eight parents evening anymore. I'm pretty pleased about that. <laughs> so, yeah, there's certainly. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's funny because all of us teachers, we we never we, we never wanted a desk job. We never wanted an office job. And suddenly we find ourselves sitting at a desk. And it's um, the things you miss. It's amazing, isn't it? Like you miss the I miss just the sort of the fact that when you're at school all day, your, your day is so different and you're just out. You're up and up and down and you're running around all day dealing with all sorts of things. And and now it's it's just a bit boring. We're kind of just sitting at desks and it's um we're sort of missing that bit of teaching that we love where we're not sort of having those interactions with kids in the same way. Um, but yeah, so I say the only thing I'm sort of liking is the the reduced workload and the fact that I mean just before when all this was building up, I was incredibly anxious about the fact schools were still open, um, and that got to the point where I was just absolutely desperate for that announcement to say close the schools because I felt so uncomfortable with the whole thing of going into a building with 500 kids and and you know that 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 was horrid. Um, so what a relief that um, finally a decision was made because I absolutely hated that that sort of few weeks where we knew that half the world had closed the schools but we hadn't yet that was horrible that was that was like I was I was almost having a panic attack going to school one day like I was I was just I just couldn't believe that all my friends who work in banking were sitting at home while I was going into this building full of all these hundreds of kids and I couldn't believe that the government wasn't announcing a closure so when they did I just had this massive relief um so yeah, I think um, I feel I feel much more I feel much more calm about the whole thing now. And like like I say, I feel like we've got things fairly well under control as much as we can. Um, and yeah, like I say, isn't it nice to not have to organise a parents' evening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, which which brings me to my penultimate question, Joe. Um, do, do you think this experience will, will change what you do in terms of school in in any way? I'm sensing it won't particularly change your, your classroom practice because as you as you you've argued very very well, you're you, you're not engaging in the live teaching side of things. But I'm thinking more in terms of kind of workload and, and your outlook. Could this be some big profound shift in terms? Because you do work too much. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, is is this going to change that? Do you think? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of any. I mean, I don't think there's anything. I think when um, the things that I do at school during normal circumstances do all need doing. I don't. I can't think of things. Um, you know, yeah, there are some things I don't like the way that we do, like in terms of lesson observations and stuff like that, which are time consuming. But I can't imagine any. I can't imagine any of that changing. Um, and um, like I said, I can't imagine anything about the way I do things at home needing to be particularly different. So now I think um, it's not like suddenly suddenly I'm appreciating all this amazing time spent with my kids because I didn't feel like I wasn't doing enough of that already. I think, you know, I think where uh, I, I think um, 
you know the the thing is I, no I can't I can't think of anything that um that is going to change sort of in the long term um her wife what have other people said or have you got some ideas on that no, well, it's um, again, it's more the technology side of things. Some teachers yeah. have quite enjoyed um, the way kids have responded to, to, to the technology and, and the way that they can feed back and have little conversations with them and, and are thinking of ways to try and bring that into their uh, into their teaching. But yeah. also a, a lot of a lot of people have just said, no, they, they do not enjoy one aspect of this bit and they just want to get back to normality as, as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's it'll make me appreciate Oh, maybe it make me appreciate working with teenagers a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> funny, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The funny thing is that, you know, I don't, I oh, know, I've never seen myself as a real natural teacher. I'm not someone that would have said, oh, it's my lifelong ambition to work with teenagers. You know, they, they annoy me as much as anyone. And, you know, <laughs> I, but they, um, I think in that last week when we had, where we, where we sent a load of our staff home because they were asthmatic and stuff like that. So we ended up with half our staff. And so that meant that we could only have year seven in for a couple of days. And then we had a day where we only had year eight in. And I had to teach them maths in mixed ability groups, um, kids that I uh, they didn't know. So we had these, we teach them in tutor groups. And we randomly decided to teach them um, VENs and uh, set notation, stuff like that, just because we wanted a, a topic that none of them had seen before that was sort of good for any ability. Um, and it was um, and, and they were just they were so wonderful. And they they was just they really rose to the challenge of the fact that their whole school day was turned on its head. And they basically came and sat down and, and did a maths lesson with me. And they were so mature. And I think it's maybe made me appreciate their resilience a bit more. Um, and I remember some of the, a couple of girls came up to me at break and they said um, they said, oh, we're a bit sad that we're going to have to go home because we won't get to come and see our friends every day. And I said, well, you know, I suppose it might make you appreciate school a bit more because, you know, mm. you're going to realise that, that there's lots of good things about coming to school. And I suppose it's the same with same with me. Like I'm, I'm realising that that I miss the miss the kids and I miss the other teachers. Um, and, you know, I love my I love my summer holidays. Um, so I, I do like having a break from that. But I suppose when it's, um, you know. I wouldn't want that to be forever. Yes. Um, maybe maybe it's making me realise that um, I like being a teacher more than I realise. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very nice. Um, and final question then, Joe. Um, what would be your key pieces of advice or tips for, for teachers listening to this who are in the same situation as you are? Um, uh, I guess uh, on the, for the sort of people that have children as sort of primary age, um you know what what I found helpful was to ignore kind of the masses of stuff sent through by the school if they if they set it's so helpful when a task is set so if they set a task on my maths it's like yes we'll do that but if they just send this sort of massive list through of here are 10 maths websites you might find helpful and it's got Mm -hmm. like enrich and it's got like it's just got all this stuff on it which is just totally vague like that's not helpful so I'd say from a parent's perspective if you're a school who is just sending parents these long lists of these websites might be helpful. I think you're just overwhelming parents. And so I just say, you know, just really think that a more helpful thing to do for for your students is to just set them a specific task that they need to do and to not say, here's a whole load of stuff you might like to try. Because, yeah, just from that has been the that's been something that I've really struggled with um, as a parent. It's like, you know, I, I need I need specific tasks to do. And I don't I don't all this kind of, you know, pages and pages of, of links to things is, is just overwhelming for everyone. 
Um, and then the other thing I'd say is that if, you're, if your school is saying you have to do live lessons, I think it's probably worth challenging that. Um, I appreciate some people want to do them and great, have a go. Um, but just bear in mind that the expectation on students to have to be online at a certain time um, I can't see how you can possibly include everyone there. And um, I think that that's a problem. The fact that's, that that's, that's not inclusive. Um, but also, I just think that it's if they're having to do that five times a day on a timetable, to me, that just seems overwhelming. And I think it's worth challenging uh, school leadership who are saying that that's the expectation and just sort of questioning, um, is that definitely the right thing to do? And are there, are there alternatives that might work better? Um, yeah, and I know that you've had other people on here who are getting on well with live teaching, um, and that's great. Um, but yeah, I do think um, it's something we really need to think about. Is it? Are we 100 percent sure that this is uh, something we should be doing? Because, um, like I say, I'm I'm really not convinced. Fascinating, Joe. Well, as I say, that's one of the main reasons I wanted you on to have this um, alternate perspective. Um, Joe, as, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I'm absolutely fuming because we, in a few weeks' time, we should have been. At a, on a spa retreat, oh, right? Recording so conference, conference take. I was picturing a glass of champagne. I've just <laughs> popped out the sauna, oh. just chatting away. But again, oh, the the yeah. MA MA conferences have obviously been postponed. So well, who, well, we'll we'll be there next year. Next year it's in Stratford upon Avon, and and it's and Hannah Fry will be there, and we'll do all that next year. But yeah, I know, isn't it sad? All these things we're looking forward to. Um, yeah, it's quite heartbreaking that one because that was going to be my highlight of the year. But we'll give it. But we will return, Joe. We'll give a little plug because um, our topic in depth um, CPD series of videos where you talk us through. We've done angles. We've done order of operations. We've done indices. They're they're available. Well, um, at the time of recording, two of them are, and the other two are. <laughs> the other two, other two are on the way, and hopefully they're they're ideal for this scenario where you've got teachers who obviously can't get out to CPD sessions. They can sit back and relax and and let uh, listen or watch even you uh, inform me about all these wonderful resources and misconceptions and stuff about topics so we'll put a link to those in the show notes and um, anything else you want to plug or anything like that joe before i say bye to you um no i think that's i think the i do think that you know teachers who are asking for cpd i really think i'm not not saying that my work is amazing i, I genuinely think that these are um the like you say they are um, the sort of thing that that is a really good use of teachers' time is watching those videos because it's it's what an hour, so it's it's a good length of time. It's not some massive course that's going to take weeks. Um, and yeah, if maths teachers kind of want to do a little bit, if if they're literally just set, uh, being asked to set a bit of work from home and do a few calls, and they feel like that's taking a couple of hours a day, then what an opportunity for CPD. You know, we complain. Um, all through term time um, every single year that teachers don't get time for CPD. And um, I know that some people are really struggling with sort of mental um, health and stuff like that at the moment. But anyone who kind of feels actually they've got some time and they're sitting at home and what can they be doing that's useful? Um, this is the opportunity that, that you know, we, we never get to actually kind of um, improve our practice and, and do some reading and do some learning. So, yeah, I do think that um, those videos, plus obviously um, various books people can order <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and there's various other things people can be doing. So, yeah, this is this is a rare opportunity for teachers to um, to just spend some time thinking about what they're going to do in the classroom when they finally get back into it. Yeah. Fun. Fantastic. Well, Joe Morgan, it's always a pleasure. You take care of yourself and thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks, Craig.